Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey always reigns supreme. Whether you were raised at the barn in Uniondale or born in the stable at Belmont, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, let's drop the puck and get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday, November 20th, 2022. Coming at you live from Florida Media in Rockville Center. Another big show here at Hockey Night in New York. Kevin Kurz of The Athletic will be joining us. With me tonight is Mr. Christopher Botta. My name is Sean Cuthbert. Welcome to the show. Chris Botta, how are you? I'm doing great, Sean. Happy Thanksgiving week to everybody yeah. out there in Islanders country. Nice to be on. Yes, sir. Time is flying. I can't believe it's the holiday season already, but we're here, and the Islanders season is in full swing. So, folks, before we get dive into everything, I want to remind you all that we are proud to be presented by Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Brand new location, 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. And, of course, UBS Arena Belmont. Also pleased to be sponsored by Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. Make sure you hit them up this week, this month. World Cup action going on over there. They're going to be showing every 11 a.m. game, 2 p.m. game. If you show up for 11 a.m., you get a free espresso. So get down to Lost Farmer Brewing. Watch some World Cup soccer. I love it. I got the fever. Let's go. So... With that out of the way, Chris, here we go. Road trip. You kind of called it yourself here. One and two on the trip. They still have one more game tomorrow, of course. But they go into Ottawa. They win that game. Have a bit of a rough outing down south in uh, Nashville and Dallas. What did you see out there? I thought they were probably due for a little bit of a humbling was the term that we used. Uh, that I used when predicted that we thought they'd win against beat Ottawa. Yeah. And then I thought they'd lose the next two. I thought Dallas would be the toughest game. They hung in there. But as we get to this quarter pole of the season, and we're right around there, right. we're starting to see that this team is taking shape as to what we believe it's going to be, which is not one of those top teams that's like a lock 30, 40 games in to make the playoffs, uh, to, right. to make the playoffs, but also, you know, not a bottom feeder either. I think we're starting to see a few of those teams at the bottom. Yeah. Uh, the Islanders are in the middle, and that's okay. They got to solve the starts. Saturday was better, of course, against Dallas, but still defensively, not so great. Yeah, that's kind of what, what I'm kind of keying on for, for the week that we saw is is the, the defensive zone coverage. Now, as you just said, the, the starts have been better. They scored the first goal against Ottawa. They scored the first goal against Dallas and just overall looked very good in that first period against Dallas and then until the wheels fell off in the third period. But you look at some of the goals that were scored against them and you have some in-tight goals like Jamie Benn's goal uh, just last night and a couple of goals in these three games where it seems like they're getting a little lost or, or just... You know, not not covering as well as they should have in front of them, whether it's getting sticks, getting body on body, that sort of thing. And and they're allowing these in tight goals that, you know, it's, it's tough for any goaltender, whether it's Sorokin, Varlamov, or, or anybody else in the league. And I think that's kind of cost them a little bit. Um, I'm looking at, uh, what was that, in, in the Nashville game, and this is a guy who doesn't get in the lineup every night, but Ross Johnston was, was kind of out to launch on one of those goals against where his coverage was just, he was a little too respectful of uh, Nino Niederreiter when he came in on the, on the right-hand side, and he ended up firing that shot into the net. So it just seems like there's there's still some lapses mentally. As, as much as we want to talk about how good this team is defensively, and overall they generally are, 
but it seems like they're still prone to to some mistakes here and there that are that are costing them, especially in these games. I would say they have the players that should, you know, it's the same group that should right. be good defensively, but they haven't put it together. Maybe it's a little bit of change in systems, you know. Make, you know, I think we're we're still, you know, where are they right now? Right. They, Keep in mind, we have to recognize that we do these shows on Sunday. Correct. And you're going off their two most recent games. Right. And it was 2-2 going into the third period on Saturday. Mm -hmm. And you know what? Never mind the show, of course. The the bigger picture is the Islander season. Of course. There was definitely a feel for if they could win this period, boy, this could propel them to, like, another level. And then they didn't. So they're coming up a little short. This Mm -hmm. is not Barry Trotz's Islanders of his prime years. Uh, You know, I did look it up. What's amazing is if you try to go to the 19-game mark of the two seasons, not the COVID season, but the the better years, you know, the one year, three years ago, they were 15-3-1 at this point. Mm -hmm. They uh, uh, struggled toward the end. And I'll break out my notes. Two seasons ago, 10-6-3. Okay. So, you know, they're 11-8 right now. So, um, doesn't really say much. You know, the other thing, it was the biggest takeaway was, wow, when Trotz was here, it was mm. just freaking bananas. You had COVID. You had COVID. Mm. Every, obviously, every season, but you had arena moves. You had Coliseum. You had Barclays. I mean, the season, the nineteenth game, one of the years was you know February. It, 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 like everything, there wasn't anything, hardly anything normal about right? his four years. No, correct, one hundred percent. There's another reason why I would have liked to have had him have one more year, but we'll move on from that. <laughs> right, for sure. Well, it's funny you talk about past records and and it just so happened i i caught a, a quote on uh, on twitter it's like an isles history quote uh sorry uh count where they they kind of do like this date mm-hmm. in islanders history or what have you and and i saw them tweet out that this time in the 1984 season they were off to like a 10 7 and 1 start so almost like identical you know what i mean so you're st- it's so funny because we say this almost every week now like what what does this record mean for this team where where, do, where does you know where is this all going to lead obviously that went to a stanley cup final right does that mean this is going to happen no of course not necessarily, but we're still trying to gauge, you know, what this team is. But I do think, you know, you talk about the the Barry Trotz team. I do think that Lane Lambert's team is they're already kind of carving their own niche here as a New York Islanders team where, yes, it might be a hybrid of what Barry Trotz brought to the table. But I think the style that Lane Lambert has them playing is certainly his own as well. And going back to how like the numbers can be whatever you want them to right. be. I was noticing this afternoon uh, fans who really dig into the data. All of a sudden with the most recent data, it doesn't look so good. Five on five mm-hmm. goals against probability, everything. But you're coming off. Two losses. So, right. They, you know, we could do this two games ago and it would have been a little bit different. So I don't think these last uh, these two losses are the end of the world. I'll say the same thing no. if they lose to Toronto. But there is going to be a point where they're going to need some separation. It used to be, you know, get to 500, but not in the NHL, not for a very long time. Mm-hmm. It's like, how are you going to get to 10 games over NHL 500 and then above that? So right. they're, they are... They're a little bit above an average team right now. Nothing more, nothing less. And that's pretty much where I think a lot of us had them anyway. I think that's average. I, I, that's correct. And I think, look, if they actually get the win tomorrow against Toronto, that you, you look at that as a successful road trip, two and two. And usually that's the that's the whole you know rule of thumb, right? You have a good home record and you at least break even on the road. Yeah, especially playing against three, what I would call three, two very good teams and, and then one or two okay teams. Yeah, and I think that... 
they were in both of those games against Nashville and Dallas, and, and for one reason or another, whether it was mental mistakes or whether it was you know one he- issue here or there, I mean, there were games that they could have won where it just didn't go their way. And, and I'll say this all season long, over the course of an 82-game season, you're going to have games go like that. They're just Sometimes they break your way, sometimes they don't. And, you know, one other thing I notice is, is the penalties. And the funny thing is, in the game against Ottawa, they took six penalties, and they still won that game. They killed five of six. But it looks like there's there's maybe some – maybe I'm diving a little too too far, too far into this, but it seems like they're getting themselves into penalty trouble a little bit too much here and there. And I look at a guy like Casey Sezikis. He's leading the team right now with 23 penalty minutes, and I feel like that's typically not the case. He's usually a more disciplined player, and it seems like he's kind of getting himself into trouble more, a couple more hooks here and there. And I wonder if that's a product of him – being on the wrong side of 30, maybe losing half a step and trying to catch up with guys. It could be coincidence, but just something that I've noticed. And, and usually he's a guy who stays pretty disciplined. It is uncharacteristic because maybe, remember last year he had the one game where he just kept on going back and forth into the box. And it was just bad. Yes. He actually this came is carryover from last season. And it was one game in particular, and I remember Trotz being asked about it, and they were able to write it off because it was so uncharacteristic of him right. not having a lot of minors like that for a guy who plays the way he does. For so, sure, you know, let, let's we'll keep an eye on that as well. Could be a little dinged up, you know. Like sometimes I'm quick to give these guys little excuses. Somebody like him, he deserves some excuses, right? He just uh, he's shown too much through his career. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Well, you know, well, I think it wasn't. It's not such a bad thing that they dropped these two games. It's not such a bad thing that in Nashville, slow start again, and it looked like they were going to come back. In fact, Suzekis had a chance to tie it up shorthanded yes. in the final minutes. I don't know what Nashville was doing. Um, but so, but they learned the lesson that, all right, we're not going to be able to come back every time because it looked like it was going to. And then they go to Detroit and lose the third period. So not bad going into a game against Toronto, which is a real rivalry. That's a game that I think the Islanders want really bad. It means a lot to them. Toronto's better this year. Toronto is due for an offensive explosion. The Islanders mm-hmm. are going to have to hold them off. I think the Islanders are going to have to really watch for that in the first period, not get that Matthews on fire. But a little bit of a setback as if to say, okay, no, you're not going to run away with this. This isn't a complete run back and then run away with it and, oh, no, we're back. 11-8, and eight, respectable. Let's see what happens over the next week. Another very, very interesting week coming up. Yeah, and I think you you look at the numbers that you you just mentioned now eleven and eight, especially after the way they started. They had that three game losing streak. I think you're pretty you're satisfied with that. Maybe you're not fully happy with it. Maybe you would have liked to see them get one more win here on that road trip. You look at games maybe against Detroit or the Arizona game probably sticks out a lot for people. But at the same time, it's still early. It's they're still finding their way, and I still think that you know this can end up being a, a good successful season for them. And just to to your point on the Predators game, I think the one difference in that not being another one add to the list of the uh, of the comeback special that this team has been is that they let in that one extra backbreaker goal which they hadn't done in the other comeback games. Yeah, and then Dallas too where it looked like maybe they'd come back but then a face-off play makes it 4-2 puts the game out right. of reach. So Right. Things aren't working. I'm really, really happy that you got Kevin Kurz for this week and yes. thankful to Kevin for doing this in the middle of a trip that he's on uh, because I, I you know 
Kevin Briggs' great perspective as a writer. Had him on my show last year, too. I think you've had him on before, too. I think he's not. a perfect guest. Okay, so it's the first debut. time. Oh, so, yeah. So it'll be a, uh, he's a perfect guest to have for. for Absolutely. Time. Speaking of Kevin Kurz, we're going to take a quick break. Thank you so much for tuning in to Hockey Night in New York here at twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY. And, of course, your favorite podcast providers are going to take that break. We'll be right back. Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now, you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, all three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, hearty breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Thanks for giving some time to our sponsors. Ready to talk more aisles? The train rolls on right here on Hockey Night in New York. That's right, folks. The train rolls on here on Hockey Night in New York. And joining us on the line from The Athletic is Mr. Kevin Kurz. Kevin, been playing a little hard to get here trying to get you on the show. Finally got you on. <laughs> really, really pleased to have you. How are you doing tonight? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. No, timing was right. I flew back from Dallas today. Didn't go to Toronto, so... Um lazy night in so uh more than happy to join you guys fantastic really appreciate it i'm here with chris botta and you're talking to sean cuthbert so kevin i wanted to start with matt barzell just because look he's finally off the schneid even though in a losing effort he gets the two goals against dallas just overall how has his season looked he's he's over a point per game now he's got 21 and 19 how's barzell look to you and and was the goal issue even an issue well, I still think it was an issue. You know, I, I think he's a guy that when, when you're on uh, the, after the long-term contract that he signed, he's got to be a guy that, that gets 15 to 20 a year in my mind. Um, and I, I did ask him point blank after the game last night, was it weighing on you at, 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 at all? And he was adamant that it wasn't. I have a little bit of a hard time believing that. Um, <laughs> you know, nobody – who is a competitive, proud hockey player wants to see a zero next to their name? I don't in the goal column. I don't care how many points you have, otherwise. Um, but you know that that's what he said. So that's that's what uh, that's what I printed. And um, you know, I just think if you look at his game overall, that there have been some times where we've seen him pass up shots from high danger areas, and you know, you'd like to see him. I think take a little more. Um, take a little more look, looks on that, put a little, put a, put a few more pucks on that rather than um, just always thinking pass first. You know, right. he, he's always going to be one of those guys, right? We, we, we've all, we all know the types that, that uh, would rather make a play than score a goal. And, and he's one of those guys, but um, you know, if you look at the underlying numbers also though, he was getting a lot of chances. He was, he was among the team's leaders in shots on goal. So I think it was a little bit of bad luck combined with not taking enough shots, but, um, I, I do think overall he's looked pretty good, uh, and and he seems to be enjoying playing Lane, Lane Lambert's system. Um, I think we still see some of the things that we've gotten used to seeing with Barzell, where maybe he just hangs onto the puck a little bit too long at times. But um, 
you know, he, he's still in the developing part of his career as far as I'm concerned. And, and when you're talking about a guy that's, that's averaging over a point per game first quarter season, I mean, it's a pretty pretty darn good good start so far in my mind. No question, Kevin, and that's a perfect segue. You mentioned the first quarter of the season, so we're kind of in a place where maybe we can start making a little more sharp assessments of, of Lane Lambert hockey, as you call it. And, you know, what are some strengths and weaknesses that you've seen out of this out of this system so far now that we're nearly 20 games in? Uh, what's What's been working for them? What hasn't? And is this a system that they can play with long term to, to finally make it through an 82 game schedule and get into the playoffs? Well, I think you have to start with the fact that I'm pretty sure they still lead the league in goals from defensemen. And that's I, I think that would be surprising to anyone if you were you were told that before the season started that sure. this blue line was going to lead the league in goals and it, we'll see if it ends that way but I think we've always liked you know most people like like this blue line they, they think it's certainly the top four is pretty good but I don't think we ever thought it was going to be that kind of a um, productive blue line so that's certainly a positive um, but it, you know and then on the other hand and, and when you're when you're when you're trying to weigh what we've seen from Lane so far, there have been too many times where the team hasn't come out ready to play. Right. To me, that's on the coaching staff. Um, the, the wild dips between – there's obviously going to be ups and downs throughout the course of a game, throughout the course of a season. But this team, it really does strike me that they can look absolutely terrible for 20 minutes <laughs> and absolutely great for another 20 minutes all in the same game. And that that's something that – the coaching staff has to figure out why, and I don't think they figured out why yet. And maybe it's just the fact that this team just doesn't have an ability, doesn't have the ability to play. Um, obviously, no team has the ability to play its its a game for sixty minutes every single night. But th- these guys, they've they've found it in spurts, but they just haven't found it in long enough and long enough stretches. And and again, I think that's on the coaching staff to. To work that out, but but overall, I, th- I I do think this is a pretty positive start for Lane Lambert and his staff. Um, the, the power play has started to come around a little bit, and I know that's maybe at the expense of the penalty kill dropping off a little bit. <laughs> um, so that's good. You know, the top unit looks completely different with JG Pajot out there in Kyle Kyle Palmieri's place. I think that's for a couple different reasons. Um, but yeah, I just think the, the, the starts and, and when I asked Lane after the Nashville game, is it a trend? I mean, it was before the Nashville game. You know, what's what's is this a trend or what's? He said it's not a trend, but it's been happening. So I'm not quite sure that what that means. <laughs> to me. That means it is a trend. <laughs> um, but um, you know, it, it's again, and I, and I also think the other thing you have to keep in mind is that sometimes it does take teams a little while to to get used to a new coach and and. and and this is an all-new coach. You know, I know Lane's been here before, but the assistants are new. Sometimes it does take some time to to really get used to playing that system without thinking. And, we, we again, we've seen it in spurts. We just haven't seen it um, consistently enough yet for, for my liking. For sure, Kevin. And just to, to spin off of that, we, we talk about Barzell having 21 points in 19 games. You have two other guys in Brock Nelson and Anders Lee who are essentially playing at a point-per-game clip as well. So with that in mind, and, and not to say that this was necessarily your thought process, but a lot of people going into this season thought that scoring, a scoring winger, was going to be the biggest need for this team. Is that still the case when you're seeing the, the numbers going up in this team, that they're scoring more goals, a goal differential is up there, and they're kind of doing what I think nobody really expected? If you were going to look at where they're at this season and the offense, offensive production that they have do you think that that's still the the biggest need for them or maybe they look elsewhere maybe on the defensive side what do you think 
It's 100% the biggest need. And, you know, this is nothing against Ross Johnson, who I think can contribute in a fourth line role, but Ross Johnson should not be in the top nine at the expense of Josh Bailey. And that that was just sort of a a baffling decision in that Nashville game. You know, they could have used Josh Bailey, and I know Josh Bailey hasn't been laying the world on fire, but they could have used him in in that game instead of Ross Johnson, who sat on the bench for the last 30 minutes. Yeah, so, so you know, what, what's going on? You know, Anthony Bovillier now scoreless in eight games. Oliver Wallstrom's been up and down. I think he has points in three out of the last four. Mm. Um, Bailey, obviously, has been inconsistent. So there are some still some real issues with that group because, as you said, it's been very top-heavy with Barzell, Lee, Nelson really really driving the bus. Peugeot's done some nice things. Zach Parisi kind of is what he is at this point. The fourth line, I think, has been fine and has, has done its job uh, more nights than not. But, yeah, th- th- they need some more dynamic, skilled wingers and wingers that are going to play much more consistently. And, you know, we saw Nikita Sashnikov make the team out of camp and he didn't have much impact in the three games he got in. Um, I don't really see anything down below in Bridgeport yet that in terms of a player that's ready to come up and make an impact. Maybe at some point this season that'll happen, but I don't think there's anything down there that's going to be any better than what the team has right here. So at some point, they're going to have to add from the outside and find a scoring winger. Maybe it's a superstar. Maybe it's a a Patrick Kane. Um, Maybe it's somebody else that might become available, but at some point, that's going to have to be addressed. And um. I think you know you you hope these young guys are going to come around, and you know, particularly Bovelli and Wallstrom. Um, but they've both been pretty inconsistent, and I, I don't think if you're going to be a Stanley Cup contender, you've got to be a little bit more sure you're going to get production out of some of those top nine wingers that 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 hasn't been consistent enough yet. Hey, Kevin, it's Chris. How's it going? Good, Chris. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for doing this. I know you're on the road a lot, and I appreciate you doing this. Um, I'm always interested in some of the inside hockey stuff, uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. I I learned yesterday that the team, they said it on the broadcast, that the team went to Ottawa but then came back to New York instead of going Mm -hmm. to Nashville for two nights or spending an extra night in Ottawa and therefore making this a full week-long trip. I'm fascinated by that because teams always like to say it's good to get on the road and and bond as a team and all that stuff. You worked for a team, for the fans who don't know. uh, Kevin also worked in the PR business uh, with the Flyers, so he traveled Mm -hmm. with the team. You've covered the team. I'm not saying it's why they lost. I'm not making too big a deal. It's fun for me. Do you have any insights or thoughts on that decision? Yeah, I don't know why why they did that. Um, because you know, you know, they they did they did get in a practice before they flew to Nashville on, and I'm going to screw up the days of the week, but I guess that would have been on Wednesday, Wednesday right? Last, but they could practice Wednesday in Nashville. They could have practiced in Nashville, and you know, I always think in terms of teams always have their annual rookie party, right? Well, to me, that would have been a <laughs> that yeah, would have been a nice yeah. little opportunity to do they it. Would have have the lost party either way. <laughs> get that out of your system. You know, I, I do think there's value, and and this is just maybe maybe this is just me based on the coaches I've covered. But I coach Pete DeBoer, who I, I got a chance to talk to in Dallas. Uh, I guess that was yesterday. You know, he really he was someone that really valued getting the team together on the road in a social situation, hang out with each other go out, have a couple beers, obviously don't do anything too wild, but go to dinner together, spend some leisure time together. And 
I think that is important at the beginning of the season. Now, this group really isn't much different from the group last year, so maybe that's not as important. But, yeah, I was a little surprised. You know, I, I, I would have thought they would have gone right to Nashville. I, I know there's a trip in December where they play Boston and then they have an extra night uh, I guess they're an extra day off between the Boston game and a game in Arizona. And they are flying right from Boston to Arizona, I think. Good to get there um, for the time difference sometimes. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, yeah, I, I think that's what they're doing. But, you know, maybe they, maybe they do. I don't know if any, if any of that's set in stone yet or anything. But I would think they would do that. And maybe you get a day off and play golf together in Arizona, right? And, and, and then you play the Coyotes. So yeah. I, was, um, I, I, was, I was definitely interested in your take. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I at the same time, this is also a group with some uh, some older players and some kids. So I'm sure on many levels they appreciate getting to spend a you know an extra night with the with the kids before they're off on another week long road trip. Absolutely. And then in Nashville, uh, you wound up being able to interview Lou Lamorello. I, I believe Andrew might have with you because I saw some quotes in news mm-hmm. today from that. I'm curious as to how, is there kind of like a standing invitation for Lou to talk through Kimber, the PR director, <laughs> or did you specifically, uh, were you guys looking for Lou, you know, because the team was doing well and did you ask for him in that particular moment? Yeah, that was just something we just requested for uh, before the national game. I think maybe just to catch up more than anything. I don't think it was for any specific reason, but um, you know, fortunately, he was he was uh, amenable to it. And um, you know, obviously, we didn't learn learn a whole lot, but um, I think anytime the general manager speaks, it's noteworthy, and 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 that's that's stuff that you know we should pass along to the fans. Yeah, and he didn't hide behind the slow starts. And all, you know, I thought he, nope. that was the most direct thing. So that was a great piece, and the way you wove it into your game, which then they, you know, beautifully got off to another slow star, which is always <laughs> nice when when they do that for it for the screenwriters. Um, and then also, but Lane, uh, he uh, is of course. I understand he's not going to say it's not a trend. It almost seems like a spinal tap thing, right? Where he just, <laughs> he acknowledges it, but he's not going to use the actual word. But he also he's been. Uh, pretty he could be critical at times he's not saying nearly you know nothing compared to Barry we get that but in his own way like you could see it on his face when you guys are talking to him post game and he will um I think somebody kind of set him up with a little uh, soft one last night about like, hey you know good effort bad result and he kind of didn't stand for that he so are, are are you appreciating his honesty are you seeing some um, good insights there where he's being fair, even if he's being brief? Well, you're right in that he doesn't say a whole lot. And there's not, you know, I would have, we've asked him a couple times dating back to when Josh Bailey came out of the lineup against Tampa and never really got an answer as to why Josh Bailey came out of the lineup. And then, you know, he says Ross Johnston is in the lineup because of an a it was opponent specific, but uh, you know, I I thought that was kind of. I would have liked a little bit, maybe a little bit more insight on on some of the lineup decisions. Frankly, um, I don't really give him any. I, I, I wouldn't. Give, I'm not one that's going to give him a hard time over not revealing the goalie or the active lineup because I feel like a lot of coaches do that nowadays, and that's not necessarily important. You know, we'll we'll find out who's in the game when the game starts. Um, I don't think anyone's really sitting on the edge of their seat wondering if it's going to be Robin Sallow or Sebastian Ajo as the sixth defender, right? If you <laughs> or, haven't figured it out by now. 
Yeah, yeah. And the starting goalie, you know, we can always figure that out nine times out of ten just based on who comes off first. So I, that stuff doesn't really bother me. Um, you know, I thought he was insightful a little bit before the game yesterday when we asked him about his coaching style. And, and that was really a line of questioning that began with Cal, with a conversation I had with Cal Clutterbuck about how does Lane handle these, you know, when he's pulling a guy like Josh Bailey out of the lineup, how does he, how does he handle it? And he just said Lane's very direct and um, players want to know where they stand. We know where we stand with him and, and, and Lane pretty much echoed what Cal said. So I thought that was, that was interesting. Um, you know, I, I wish we would get a little bit more insight on certain things at certain times. I think, though, that's just sort of his personality and um, probably also a function of who he works for. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> We're talking to Kevin Kersey, Athletic. Kevin, the last one from me before we let you go. Uh, we kind of touched on this a little bit earlier, but you kind of already alluded to the fact that you're not convinced that they're a Stanley Cup contender. They need a score. But they're currently sitting, at least going into today, they were sitting in third place in the Metro, obviously a playoff position. They have four games coming this, up this week, so we don't even know if they're going to meet that cutoff yet for Thanksgiving. That's That remains to be seen. But have you seen enough out of this team to be a playoff contender at this point? I, I do think so, because I, I, do, I think they're going to figure out at some point to play a little bit more consistently. Um, it starts for me in that, I think it's the best goalie tandem if you if you combine the two in the NHL, and that's that's really the foundation that you can build your whole game off of, right? Is is those two goaltenders, and um, so that's probably the biggest reason why I, I like what the defenders are doing. Um, I, I like Sebastian Ajo's game. I think the top six is is in pretty good shape right now. Uh, I think Noah Dobson will continue to get better. Um, you know, I just, again, yeah, they, everyone knows at this point, I think, around the league what, what their biggest issue is. It's, mm. They need a little bit more skill on on the wings if, if they're going to be taken seriously. But you look at the Metro division, I mean, every team seems to have some issues right now. And and, and the Islanders probably have fewer than, than the rest of them. Mm. You know, the Rangers have been up and down, and the, the Penguins and the Capitals have both gotten off to rough starts. Are those two teams right. that are just too old and too over the hill at this point? Um, the Blue Jackets are a mess. The Flyers, I don't think anyone's going to take them seriously to, to remain in position. So, um, you know, I don't know what the hell's going on with the, the Devils. <laughs> They're 15 yeah, and 3. What is going on? Um, <laughs> you know, originally I thought that was the team that I, the Islanders were going to have to worry about, but um, maybe not. Maybe if, if the Penguins and the Capitals can't get it together. And, and I think the Capitals, especially, don't, don't really, uh, you know, they don't look like a playoff team to me right now. So. Mm-hmm. If you ask me right now, are the Islanders going to be the playoffs? I, I would say yes. I, I think they're going to find a way to get in. Well, Kevin, absolute pleasure having you on the show. Fantastic stuff. And I uh, hope to have you on again down the road. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, anytime. Thanks, Kevin. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks guys. Kevin. All right, okay, folks. Sure. That was the great Kevin Kurz of The Athletic. Finally get him, getting him on the program. Chris, ever since he started covering the Isles for The Athletic, I've been trying to get him on. It just didn't work out. Finally got him, and he gave us a great spot. He, you know, he, he wanted to not spoil you too early he, he, he was he's he's taking these <laughs> the one thing i will say the one thing i'm mindful of i was when i did the thing last year and i am when i when i reach out to people is um there's a lot of podcasts out there sure are um i'm proud of what you've done and and when what little thing we got going here with christian Hell yeah. but i am mindful of the fact that you know using a kevin as an example that you know 
if he was to say yes to everyone. Plus, on top of that, there's all the Canadian shows. So, like, when they're playing Toronto, everybody's going to want to talk to him and Andrew. Sure, sure. The little bit that I was, like, around the team on the writer side, like, the requests I got were a lot. Not coal mining, not complaining. I always like, okay, this, these are not bad problems to have. Sure. But, um, you know, think about what it must be like for a Ray Farrell. He's always being yeah. asked. So when I oh, ask yeah. him, I ask him for one a season. So he ain't coming back this year. <laughs> Damn it. All right, that's fair. That's, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. I'll take it. Yeah, I'll but take Kevin, it. Kevin is always is very good. At, you know, he, he, at the end, playoff team, I think that's the, the clip you put out. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and I agree with him. But he also, you know, was pretty critical early on about the lack of production from from key players. Yeah, and it's and it's something to keep an eye on, and and that's kind of why I wanted to throw him that question because, I mean, I don't know. Look, I haven't looked back to be completely honest with you, but I I'm pretty sure we haven't hit the twenty game mark in recent seasons and had three guys playing at a point per game clip. And maybe maybe it has, and they fell off later on in the season. But I just think overall, and this is the biggest difference for me, and I think it's it's pretty obvious for anybody that's watching, is literally just how much more this team is scoring. I mean, you even look at these games that they lost. Yeah, they only got two against Dallas, but they lose five four to Nashville. And it all. I mean, I haven't looked at the the average, but I'm sure they're still averaging over three goals a game, which they struggled to get to the last couple of seasons. You know what I mean? So they've definitely changed that perspective through 19 games under Lane Lambert where this team can score by committee but they can score and I think Kevin's right that they probably still need some star power on the wing somebody who can be more reliant reliable more consistent when you have guys like Bavillier Wallstrom struggling but on the flip side of that he mentions names like Parisi and Pajot and they're doing the jobs that they were expected to do in the first half of last season and Kyle Palmieri's name didn't come up but he's another guy too he's scoring a lot of goals now and it looks like they're much more those guys who are relatively new are much more comfortable now playing I suppose regular season hockey for the New York Islanders and because you had Pajot and Palmieri were guys that really hung their hats on the playoffs and even other guys like like Bavillier and and and, and Bailey who who have struggled here you know they they have shown up in the playoffs so that's promising so if this game this team can get through an 82 game season then maybe we're not complaining so much about the lack of production in guys like Bavillier and Bailey the guy who I haven't mentioned uh, much on this show since I've been you know, doing it with you, you do, um, but I would probably be the biggest difference maker of the guys I sometimes un- I underrate unfairly is Pajot. Uh, the, I think the best example I can give you is that when you would hear his name said last season, it was kind of like, yeah, Pajot. Where's he been? And yeah, then, yeah. But on a night like tonight, when Kevin Kurz brings him up, it's with this energy, and you smile, and it's like, yeah, that guy, mm-hmm. guy is win, wins a lot of the face-offs. The yep. guy is making things happen. The guy is out there on special teams. So uh, a big difference, uh, and a guy I, I don't give enough credit to. No, you're right, and Andrew Gross had glowing things to say <laughs> about him last week. The week previous, I believe, was when Stefan co-hosted with me, he went on a whole honorable mention for him in the Hero of the Week, talking about Pajot and the face-offs that he's winning. So, yeah, I think that he's he's been a huge part of this team, and, and he had a couple of power play goals this week so he's definitely you know stepping up I suppose you could say compared to last season where like you said everybody's kind of like where is this guy Kevin great insight on that road trip I thought it was notable they came home I didn't want to put him in position to say it I do wonder if it was just like you know what I don't want the guys to have an extra night in Nashville fun fun place that that could have been it Mm. or just making this trip a little bit shorter Um, but so you get it right they they went home they usually don't 
they, a lot of times they don't. Uh, New York teams do have the position to do that because they can they could play in Ottawa. I used to do those trips. Mm. The planes are probably faster now, Sean. Yes, I get that. It was so long ago. I worked for the team, but <laughs> but, but like you know, we would I, I we could sometimes land in Republic in Farmingdale at twelve twelve fifteen. I was home by one a.m. Right, they they play a seven o'clock game. I'm home, mm-hmm. and you know early, so they they are able to do this. To me, it was more just like, hey, do you give the guys that week? So that was interesting, and also, you know, there aren't a lot of reinforcements in Bridgeport. We knew that going in. We know that right. this is not a deep team. This team is is pretty settled. There, the guys who are there now are right to think that there's nobody really pushing for their jobs mm-hmm. sooner or later though, if they don't step certain guys don't step it up, they'll be taught that lesson that that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. It should be noted that when Sashnikov came back from the NHL to Bridgeport mm-hmm. on Friday, the healthy scratch for Bridgeport and it's okay. He's a kid, but it was William DeFore. Right. But, but I'm glad you mentioned Bridgeport. And even though, like you said, maybe nobody's been banging on the door right now, but they're off to a great start. And you're seeing some guys put up numbers that maybe you weren't expecting. Like you look at uh, Ishkakov. I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly. But rookie of the rookie of the month, I believe he got for October. So that's a pleasant surprise, especially in a system that there really is a dearth of you know, help right now down there. So if you can kind of start to slowly collect guys like him and Balduk, who's having a very good season on the defensive end of things, and, and you know, you have Ratu and Dufour who are still finding their way. I think Dufour scored either today or last night. That would have been his fifth. So those guys are slowly coming along. So even if now is not the time for one of those guys, maybe one of them do start knocking on the door later on, especially if names that we keep bringing up here continue to struggle. And, you know, I think we've each brought this fellow up once or twice uh, early, but now a, an established true journalist like Kevin Kurz has brought up the name Patrick Kane. And, it, and I, I was skeptical at the start of the season mm-hmm. about that happening, but the Islanders playing themselves into position. You kinda, it's kind of, kind of funny, right, because the players earn – that chance to bring in somebody to make right. them better. Now, of right. course, Kane comes in usually means somebody's got to go or more than one person's yeah. got to go. But that is a conversation, and it's okay to say this on November 20th or whatever it is today. Let's go with 20th. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, you're right. That, uh, <laughs> it that, only says Sunday on the yeah. screen tonight. And so. <laughs> I know they're not the only team. There'll be six teams in competition. He is very much the kind of player I believe that Lou Lamorello would be interested in and would go all in on at the trade deadline if that opportunity is there for him. So I'm glad you brought that up because it raises an interesting thought. And you talk about how these teams earn that right to, to get a, a star player or, or, or some help brought into the team, added to the team for a playoff run, maybe a Stanley Cup run if you're lucky, right? But then there's also another side of that that I've heard where – you know, this team has earned to be here, and we didn't want to shake things up. We didn't want to bring anybody in from the outside, and we didn't want to lose anybody on this team because they, they you know, won the division, came close to winning the division. They earned the right to be there. So it's, is that kind of the flip side to that where, you know, okay, they earned the right to, to get somebody added to the team, but then also, oh, how are you going to break, not break us up, but I guess take a piece out that got us here in order to hope to, to, to improve the team with somebody else. Yeah, and that's not how a championship team or franchise would not operate in the latter way, right? Uh, and we happen to live in the place where, when you think about just about any sport, mm. 
story time, 42 years ago. <laughs> Let's hear it. They <laughs> traded two guys. The Islanders traded two guys who were with there the you team. Go, yeah. I mean, keep, think about Billy Harris. By the way, Billy Harris, the guys love him. He owned clubs yeah. in L.A. He's yeah. a popular guy. He was a, they, they traded Billy Harris and Dave Lewis, who were original guys who had been there right. through all that. Great point. In March. Yeah, yeah. To bring in Butch Goring. So you... Um, I know they lost in the playoffs in 78 and 79, and those were considered disappointments, and there was a chance that they were going to have to make some sort of move. Right. But if you were to go on that theory that, like, you know, we earned this chance, you know, you, if you have the opportunity to get yourself better, you make yourself better. No, and, pa- I, and Patrick Kane would do it. It's, fun, it's funny, right? I understand, you know, we talk about it, you, you don't make six for ones or whatever, but there isn't anything... There's no combination of players currently on this team mm-hmm. plus other assets that they wouldn't be better by getting Patrick Kane. They're not. They wouldn't be trading somebody on their team today yeah. for Patrick Kane, who would then be a lateral move. That would be a big step. They're not trading Barzal for Kane. Is my point. They're not of trading course, Brock Nelson right. for of Kane. Course, of They're course. not trading uh, the goalie for Kane. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> And no, I I don't think they're probably trading the top two defensemen. Probably top three. Right. So so it, it would be an automatic upgrade. It would be you'd be paying the price again down the road, and the Islanders have a few of those things. I was just gonna but play devil's be, advocate. It would be an immediate upgrade. I'm not I'm not say, I'm not advocating for the deal. I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's not gonna it, you know. I heard from fans, well, they're automatically better because they don't have Char and Green anymore. They, uh, okay, well, We've said that know. a lot on this show, too. Guilty yeah, as like charged. I, you know, Guilty let's as charged. raise the bar on, on right, right, right. for improving the team. But uh, Kane would be an upgrade. <laughs> I think that's fair to say. <laughs> yes. Yeah, especially if they don't give up the guys you're talking about. No, yeah, I think I'm the right. first one to say I'm not into yeah. the analysis. I don't bring the hockey thing. But I, I feel pretty. You got to bring it. I feel pretty comfortable in saying Patrick Kane <laughs> would be an upgrade. Okay, yeah, that's fair. We're we're, we're gonna go with that. <laughs> so I think we covered the the games this past week well enough. We yeah. you know we, you guys know the scores. You guys know who won, who lost, right? I think we we covered that well. We we talked about the pros, the cons, and and I think they're still in a fine spot. They got a busy week coming up, as we talked about. So why don't we talk about that busy week and get into what's on tap? All right. So what's on tap? Here we go. Four games coming up. We already talked about one tomorrow in Toronto. They play the Maple Loafs or the Maple Leafs. I like hey. to call yeah, let's go. Wednesday, they come back home to play Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. A little Thanksgiving Eve tilt. Then on Friday, they go into Columbus. And then a back-to-back, back home, they host the, Phil- the John Tortorella-led Philadelphia Flyers. What say you? I can't wait for that Edmonton game. I haven't been to a game this year. It's a game I'm I'm hoping to try to get to. Okay. Um, I'm envious of those who have tickets. I think that, you know, I, I just have such great memories when I worked for the team. We often played on Wednesday and Saturday and sometimes at home on Friday, too. It, it was always, a, even when we were bad, and we were bad a lot <laughs> when I was there, but it, it was always such a great time. So many people coming back, coming home from college, coming home right. to see their family. Yeah. I'm just a big, big fan of this week and to know that they're playing Edmonton in that beautiful UBS arena. Yeah. You know, that should be a special night. So another reason why you'd like to see them handle Toronto, I just I wonder if Toronto's finally going to wake up uh, <laughs> uh, uh, offensively Monday or on a, a more consistent basis. That back end of the week, 
you know, could be a little tricky. The thing with the Flyers are they, they've been is that they're they're playing hard under Tortorella. They are, but they're thin to begin with, and mm-hmm. now they're starting to lose guys. Connect me is out, right? Uh, Van Riemsdyk is mm-hmm. out, and I don't believe uh, well, I know Van Riemsdyk's out a long time. Um, so you know, sooner or later, it it, it doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Columbus, maybe that Columbus game is going to be a tough one. So I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, we, I did well last week. We did well last week predicting. <laughs> I'm not going to go game by game. I'm just going to say these next two are going to be really fun to watch, and those two <laughs> on the, and those two on the back end, they're going to be challenging. All right. So last week we we talked about what record we thought they were going to have. I looking, just said I'm not, I'm not going to predict this time. Well, I, th- I think you should. <laughs> I think you should, Chris. I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, I, if we're going to always play back the segments when I do get it right. And like I said, what you're one for one, you're one for one. You did great last week. All right. So I'm going to go, but we went individual games. Okay. I'm going to (laughs) go lost to Toronto. Beat Edmonton. Okay. Beat (laughs) Philly. It's the fourth game. Yes. Friday is in Columbus, right? Correct. Okay. Black Friday in Columbus. The cannons are going to go off. Okay. You think so, huh? Johnny Gaudreau is going to put up three because Ooh. he got booed in the last one. <laughs> I know everybody's given Johnny. He was already asked, does he have any regrets, you know, such a jersey doing so well. Or and, of course, and he'll so, admit it, right? But, you know, I, I, in his defense, these are seven, eight-year commitments. These are life commitments. So he can, we can't go on this based on the first 20 games. Columbus right. doesn't look good. And, and, oh, you they know, don't. But they, there's a... I would think they'll get better eventually over the course of his contract. It's just a little early for him to be saying he has regrets. Jersey, he could look at that and say, well, I would have fit in cap-wise mm. and, and I'd be with all that young talent. Right. But he, he he says he chose geographical reasons and franchise reasons, so we get sidetracked. I'll go, yeah, I feel like I'm taking a little bit of an easy way out. I didn't last week, but this week I'm just going to go two and two, which, by the way, isn't good. If this is a right. if this is a better team, it's a it's a it's a week that they should go three and one. By the way, no extra points. They're they're all, they're a flat. Everything has either been that's regulation. Good, that's that's yeah. gonna end. The They've either won in overtime or lost in regulation. One of these four games is gonna is gonna go okay. to overtime. All right. So, but I will go two and two. All right, fair enough. So I'm going to go three and one. I'm going to be a little yeah, more optimistic. Yeah. I'm going to flip. You were last week too. I was, and it didn't go well for me. Did. Although I did call the Ottawa game. We, we both did. We said that yes. was the one game we thought you were safe putting money down on. Uh, That's this right. Country. Whether they listen, I don't know. I haven't gotten any thank yous. I could tell you. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. <laughs> so I'm going to flip flop Toronto and Edmonton with you. I think they take Toronto down tomorrow. Oh. Then I think they drop Wednesday against the Oil, but then they went back to back against Columbus and Philly. Hmm. That's that's my prediction, which is worth absolutely nothing. See, which I, is also why I don't gamble. I just factor, by the way, when I go to my phone, it's it's for the show. I just want everybody to know this. I got my notes, and then I got my NHL app. <laughs> You're not checking I'm, your texts? I'm text. not texting <laughs> my wife, Catherine, or anything like that. So what I'm interested in on Edmonton is where are they? So they're in New Jersey Monday. All right. So, yeah, all right. I mean, you wouldn't. you. You, that's not a bad. Which is obviously pick. a loss. So, but my well, no, but, <laughs> yeah. So, but my point is that they've arrived. They will have arrived in the East. They're here now. 
and they're settled in as opposed to sometimes that first game's like just like I thought Dallas might struggle and, and they did against the Islanders mm-hmm. early in that game because right. they were coming off a of Florida trip and a game in Boston. So uh yeah, you may be right, but I'm gonna stick with uh I mean we should probably start getting into individual wagers here, but I'm gonna stick with the loss <laughs> in Toronto okay. and win in Edmonton. All right. I win against Edmonton. Sorry. There you have it, folks. That is what's on tap. And I think now we'll just swing it right into the Hero of the Week. So, Ed, how you doing back there, Ed? What's going on? Let me unmute myself. Uh, <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah? Uh, we're going to go right into Hero of the Week. Why not? Let's hit those buttons, buddy. Let's hit the buttons. Okay. <laughs> that is not the correct button. <laughs> oh, it is now. <laughs> Welcome back. It really isn't. This team, too. <laughs> now kick up your feet. That's there, the one. There we go, folks. When you hear this song, that's that means it is time for the Hero of the Week. Brought to you by the Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Half Price Hero, which this week is the Selly featuring grilled roast beef, sautéed onion, mushroom, fresh mozzarella, all on a toasted garlic hero. Fantastic. Head on in to the Huntington Blue Line Deli and Bagels location. Mention Hockey Night New York and get half off the Selly. So, with that out of the way, Christopher Botta, who is your... Hero of the week. I want to just preface this by saying my hero of the week not being a current player has Fine. nothing to do with them being one and two. Right? Like, okay, it's, it has nothing to do with that. There, there were some good. Appreciate the background. My hero of the week is somebody who I, I don't know, who uh, I know the fans have come to like over the years, and now he's doing a, a spectacular job on television, and that's Thomas Hickey. Hey, uh, there we go. You know, I mean, really, it, it is not easy. No matter how polished somebody might be and he he is you just don't turn it on so there's natural gifts there there's a good presence um very insightful uh i my one hope for him because i'm I'm never always going to be just totally pollyannish is that he just doesn't fall into the trap of making everything sound like it's great no matter how the team (laughs) does and he hasn't yet um but i don't want to see that Mr. Hickey, please. But really, <laughs> a really, really great debut for the Islanders on TV. Good hire by MSG, whoever else recommended him. guess he was in the area. I wanted to stay part of yeah. the team. They have some openings there. There was a kind of a, a carousel of people over the last couple of years. Sure, yeah. Carter's doing games. Ricky was doing games. Right. I, I think Hickey is a, is a good staple there and really impressed. So welcome uh, to doing this and, and great job and keep up the good work. Hero of the week, Thomas Hickey. I think that is an excellent choice. And yeah, I didn't even know he was on the radar for something like that. I didn't know he was maybe doing any background stuff, maybe preparing for it, who knows. But he has slipped in very well, very comfortably. He does a good job. I think him and Shannon bounce off of each other really well. So, And and from all you ever read or heard about him when he was on the team, beloved in that locker room. I mean, he was a big part of that team. And, and I think... Um, it's wonderful that he's he's found a way to to still be with the team and be a part of it. I'm sure guys like Lee Nelson and Bailey and all those guys are happy to know that he's kind of still around, even if he's not in the locker room playing games with them anymore. And I don't know this for sure, but to answer your question, I know you know when Ray did my media show last year, others they talk about a lot of times they do just take players and just kind of throw them into the fire. Mm-hmm. I get the sense. I'm not saying he's had a lot of preparation for this, but I get the sense that people with MSG Network around the Islanders have done some work with him so that he literally wasn't just thrown out there. Uh, There was probably an audition to a certain extent, you know, an interview. uh, And 
you know, whether it's Shannon perhaps spending extra time with him, him working really hard at it, breaking down tape of watching right. the other announcers mm-hmm. and what they do. Yeah. But, you know, he's come in pretty solid, so much so that I would think, and if he, I, I would like to think he's thought of it or his agent has, but the NHL Network Studio is not too far away from here. They're always mm. looking for people to pop in. on. Sure. The, on a, you talk about a, a, a parade of, of people who go through there. So <laughs> I could see him in that studio from time to time as well. Okay, right on. So now I guess it's my turn to give my hero of the week. Who is it, Sean? And that is, you know what? I was going to pick this guy, but then I looked at his... Now, now Lane Lambert said he was tired, he, and, and Matt Barzell actually addressed this as well. He said he had himself a long shift. So I was going to go with Matt Barzell, put up a couple of assists. He obviously got off the schneid with the goals. He got two goals in the losing effort against Dallas. But that play on the Fox goal... I just I had to, I had to move on to somebody else. I had to move you're on to tough, somebody. Else. You're a tough grader. Hey, listen. I mean, if you're going to be a hero, you gotta you gotta you know live lost. up to the name. They lost the game. You got the exactly. So I decided to go with a guy who you brought up earlier. We started talking about a little bit, and that is JG Pajot. The two power play goals this week also had an assist in the three games this past week. And look, we we kind of already discussed him, so we don't have to dive back into it. But he's been playing great all season. I think it's another good week for him. And he's doing great work in the power play, like Kevin mentioned before. Those face-offs are critical, and he's been lights out on the face-off this year. And and they're, they're a huge, huge difference whether, on special teams, whether it's power play or penalty kill. But the great thing is he's not just a power play specialist in that he wins the face-off, and then he's a non-factor on the power play. He's scoring goals. He's involved. He's making plays. So J.G. Pajot, my hero of the week. As a somebody who plays ice hockey, Indeed. what would you say when J.G. Pajot is going well? What is he doing right? He's tenacious. He's tenacious, and that's why he's on the penalty kill. I mean, look, just talked about his face-off prowess, which is going to get you on special teams, you know, right off the bat as long as you can hold your own, right, in, in those situations. But what I love about his game, and this is why I mentioned guys like Casey Sezikis being personal favorites of mine, is this guys that they get out there and they throw everything on the table. And what's, what's all the more impressive about J.G. Pajot is he doesn't have that size. He's a smaller guy, but he still makes it work. And he still can get other, under player skin. He can still, you know, work the, work the corners, whether it's, you know, he's up against another 5'9 guy or a 6'3 guy. And, and when his game is going, that's the kind of game he plays. And which is why, you know, I alluded to it previously, he's so tailor-made for the postseason because that's the kind of game that wins hockey games is that tenacious play and where you get the unsung heroes like the Sezikis in the playoffs. The Matt Martin's getting a couple of goals here and there in the playoffs. And, and J.G. Pajot, and you can, you can go down the list, and Paul Mary and all those guys. And I think, you know, that's kind of the trend with, with, with a Lou Lamarillo team. Those are the guys he tries to bring in because that's the game that they play. So, um, you know, I've always admired that in, in Pajot's game, and, and he's a guy I wanted them to get leading up to that trade deadline. So when they got him, I was over the moon. And I think, you know, he's had his bumps here and there for sure. But I think all in all, he's a, he's a very important piece of this team. Excellent. Quick one on Barzell because I feel like every week we're defending him a little bit, right? Yeah, sure. Last night it was this moment where they're down 4-2, mm-hmm. goalies pulled, and he takes it from behind the Islanders' net and skates early around everyone and gets it in deep. And it turned out he was about two minutes and 30 seconds into his shift already when he did that. Now, the bad side is extended shift, which would right. give him trouble. Right. The, the, the he was just so in, nonchalant on the, that play. The, awe, the <laughs> awe-inspiring part of it is that he's still able to do that. Right. And if you if you're not a big fan... 
Go watch your team when he has to sit out a couple of games with. Of course. Board. So I'll just come back there again. You know, because there isn't there isn't much of a depth chart for people who could carry it. Oh, no question about yeah, it. Actually, listen, I don't think listen, it's anybody. But still, very nice. much a Matt Barzell fan. But look, you know, well, you're not saying it at you. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. But it, it was almost comical <laughs> the way he played that. Yeah. I mean, which is probably just speaks to how dead he was on the shift, mm-hmm. right? Like that was the most that he was able to give because he's not that type of player. He's not a guy who takes shifts off, and he's not a guy who doesn't put the effort in. So yeah, maybe I'm being a little hard on him, but I mean, it led to a, a backbreaking goal. So I kind of had to, you know, give him a couple of points off for that you one. No, it stood out. It stood out with the reporters. Lane recognized it as well. So what, what are we up to now? Are we up to the Bruin? We're going to take a break, and then okay. we're going to do, okay. do the Bruin. So, folks, that's it for Hero of the Week. Remember, stop into the Huntington Blue Line Deli and Bagels location. Mention Hockey Night New York and get half off the delicious Selly Hero. We're going to take a quick break. Once again, thanks so much for tuning in to twitch.tv slash Hockey Night NY Live and your favorite podcast providers later on. We'll be right back. Miss the days of mixtapes and arcades? Love the taste of a bold IPA or maybe an ice-cold lager? There's a place where all of those magical things come together. Lost Farmer Brewing Company. At 63A East 2nd Street in the heart of Mineola, Lost Farmer combines a love of the 80s and a passion for quality beer to create brews that can only be described as gnarly, radical, and totally tubular. The retro vibe of the tasting bar will amp up your nostalgia while the blend of both local and exotic ingredients amp up your taste buds. Beer not your thing? Crack open a can of cider or sip a Chardonnay on the extended patio. Order up from the snack menu? You can even bring your own. If you're more of a homebody, pick up a growler to go or order online at lostfarmerbrewing.com. And for all of Long Island's hockey fans, Lost Farmer created the delicious Stable Shaker American Lager to celebrate the newly built UBS Arena at Belmont Park. Whether you're at the stable for a hockey game, concert, or a comedy show, you can find Stable Shaker by can and draft around the arena. So raise a cup to the next cup with Lost Farmer Brewery, the future of Long Island craft beer. It's time for Questions Brewing, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. That's right, folks. It is time for Questions Brewing, and I have to be cracking open this juicy, farm-squeezed IPA right here, brought to you by Lost Farmer Brewing Company. Fantastic stuff. Here we go. I'm going to take a little swig here. Got a couple, maybe a couple I could bring home tonight? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Sure. No question about it. So good for some options. So, so Ed, are we, are we active in the chat there? What's going on? We're good, but chat fired me. What? Chad fired me. Fired you? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah, they fired Chad? Me. Oh, the chat fired oh, the you. the chat fired me. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wow. Really Talk about rough crowds. I said music is music, you know. That, Whether it's the hero of the week. Good answer. Or was it the old music rejoiner, is, too? It's true. It, hey, listen. It's fine. It worked out fine. We got a little laugh out of it, so no worries. So why don't you start firing off some of those questions for us? All righty. Let's start with Coach Lane Bird here. Love him. It's my it's yeah. my favorite name in the chat. And 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 guys guys and girls out there in the chat, I encourage you to come up with funny creative names. If if not, that's fine. But Lane Coach uh, Lambert is 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 one of my favorites. <laughs> so he says Bo has one more season after this with a cap hit of four point fifteen million. What do you think his next contract will look like, and will it be with the Isles? Okay, uh, I'll I'll take this one. I I don't know. <laughs> Next question. <laughs> I don't know because, like, I think we talked about him a little bit last week uh, during the questions, if I remember right. But, but look, he's obviously he's obviously been a been sticking out for the wrong reason so far this season, right? He's he still hasn't reached that next level of his game. He's teased us a couple of times over the seasons he's been here, and 
and I don't think I'm I'm ready to talk contract numbers about him yet because it's it's either unfinished or or not enough. And to be perfectly honest with you, if he continues to play the way he is now, are you really that concerned about it when his contract is up? In the sense that, I mean, I feel like he needs to bring more to earn that next contract with the New York Islanders, and I don't even know if it'll be the four point one five million or whatever it is this season. If if he continues to struggle, I hope that none of that comes to pass. I hope that that he ends up figuring it out, and I certainly think he can. But right now, it's really tough to put a number on that. What I would say is that his next main contract, like if he does another multi-years in somehow in some way when he's eligible to, mm-hmm. it's it's the rare case where it will be smaller. I, I, I normally would laugh it, at somebody saying that. that way right A now. lot of times it's like you just get renewed or you get picked up at that one year, you come back at the same number. But, you know, he is not – over four implies more production on offense. I think that was Lou buying some years, hoping yeah. to buy some years. Correct. Yeah, correct. Thinking that he was a six. He was on the point, the up and up, yeah, range, mm-hmm. right, consistently. So I don't, barring a, a, a miraculous change, uh, I, I think it'll be smaller. Again, good NHL player could be a good NHL player, and he's going to play in this league for a while. But I, if I'm going to make a prediction, I'm going to say his next like major contract or one that's just not a a one-year rollover Mm. until he becomes unrestricted will be at a lower number okay there you have it next question edzo next one is from andremi 13 i'll just call you andre from now on (laughs) sure uh what do you uh, this is kind of a two-parter okay uh what do you think of the possibility of the islanders pursuing bo horvat and the second part is would barzal would moving barzal to wing be better for the team as his face-off abilities are quite poor. Chris, you want to go first on this one, or you want me to take it? Barzal is playing where he should be playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. That. Okay. Um, Bo Horvat's name has started to come up. Yep. Um, I'll, I'll let you take I'll let you tackle I get The only thing I'll Skin say tackle. about Bo, <laughs> Bo, Bo Horvat um, <laughs> is... He's one of those guys I think is going to fall into the grass is always greener. Like, oh, he's going to, and I'm not too sure he's there. Go ahead. The enticing thing about Bo Horvat right now, I think the last time I looked at his stat line, he had like 14 goals. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's where he was at. So obviously that's the sort of number, if you're a New York Islander fan, you like to see because that's through 19 games. That's that's pretty. That's pretty to look at. You know there's a big downside to him doing that well, right? Well, what's that? The cost to get him. Well, of course, Chris. They don't have much to give up. <laughs> well, we, the, that's been the, well documented the, the, on the this show. Of, so I let you answer. Now I'm going to shut. Now I'm gonna, yeah. Well, I wasn't okay. finished. <laughs> okay, go ahead. So, look, he's got about 14 goals in the season right now, if not more, if he scored since I looked at the stat line. Uh, but, you know, A, he's, he's a center, which Chris kind of cleared up already that Matt Barzell is not moving anywhere else. Does Brock Nelson go to the wing? I don't think he should. He's done it before in past seasons, but I don't think that's something he should do. Uh, can Bo Horvat play the wing? I don't watch the Vancouver Canucks enough to know if they've used him on the wing. So is that even a fit? Look, he's a guy who is a productive, good NHL player. He's a leader, right? So is is he a guy you're upset that you get? Probably not. But if you have your choices, if, if, if Patrick Kane is part of that list when you're going down it, you're probably looking at Patrick Kane before you're looking at Bo Horvat, right? And as Chris noted... Do they even have the assets to get him? 
And who do they have the assets to get? That's another big question. Yeah, my thing is you, you have a better chance getting a guy who's struggling a little bit because you, you can only they only have so many pieces to give mm. up. So, but look on the bright side, it's November twentieth. They are in the playoff race. We believe they've shown enough already that they will make the playoffs. Certainly, will be very much in that mix. Therefore, they are in. They've earned the right, or they will have earned the right to be a player at the trade deadline. And we've brought up Bo Horvat and Patrick Kane on one show. I think that's And a, it's not even U.S. Thanksgiving. That is a great key. We're talking about adding, not subtracting. Correct. Ed, next question. Well, back to Patrick Kane. Uh, this one's from Mel Armania. I begrudgingly up, read this one. She she called for my immediate termination. Basically, so <laughs> just keeping you in check, man. Appreciate that, Mel. <laughs> Apparently, a friend of Sean's. You should note, <laughs> long time listener. Okay. I'll, I'll read it because love Mel. Still here, regardless of what you wish for, Mel. Uh, <laughs> You're a we have no choice. Who else is going to do the job? <laughs> we have no choice. So, what is your trade package for Patrick Kane? Must include one current player. Do that to us. <laughs> Wait, one, one prospect. Must request. Well, of course, it's going to <laughs> <laughs> minimum too early. Too early for it's, me. I don't think that we'd be breaking any ground. Here. And I just don't think I'm good enough at this to to properly guess. And like, you don't want to insult the Chicago Blackhawks or another team when you talk about this. Because look, it's always easy for us. I think we joked about this last week. Bovillier, Bailey. Simone Holmstrom and a, and a first round pick for for Patrick Kane. I don't know. Does that get it done? Probably not. It's going to be at least. It's going to cost at least two high picks. So definitely one first round. Okay, there you go. And perhaps another one or like a second or something like that because Chicago still needs those assets. I know they've got some in the trades that they made. Some of that. so you start with that, then a top prospect. And then that one person off the Islanders roster actually might be more like the Islanders saying you have to take a bow or you have to take mm. a belly to make things like that work. I would just say it's not a cop-out, but you're, you're looking at three to four assets. I'd be mm. surprised if it wasn't. That would include at least one first-round pick and a second pick. That'll be high. As for those other things, I think it's just too early. It's not a cop-out to just say it's just a little too early to name them. No, I think the, the most valuable commodities the Islanders probably have in their stable are their draft picks, and, and that's something that Lou's been giving a, away a lot. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to suffer, quote-unquote, suffer through doing that again if you want to land a guy like that because I think you're going to have to go you know, deep into your, your draft pool if, if you really want to land a guy who's going to make a difference. The, the other problem that I think the Islanders could have is I know this will be a hard no across the board for most fans, mm -hmm. uh, and it would be for me too. The reason why I think a Kane trade might be tough is that Chicago might say, well, because you don't have that clear-cut top prospect mm -hmm. that you want to give us, then we do have to take Pulak or Pellick or something mm -hmm. that would be deemed absurd and then sure. therefore make the trade not doable. So That would be interesting, but thankfully we have more time between now and the trade deadline to, to worry about well, that. But we will milk the heck out of this for the next <laughs> four months, okay? yeah, especially if you keep on asking the questions. 100%. So thanks for the question, Mel. What do you got next, Ed? Uh, Coach Lambert again. Uh, he yeah, says, man. last week I jokingly asked if the Devils would run away with the Metro. <laughs> but are we, <laughs> are we at least ready to acknowledge that they have pretty much locked down a playoff spot? 
Well, not great news for the rest of the division. Well, I think the New Jersey Devils have locked in their two ta- 2002 Islander position in the sense that even if they go 500 for the rest Points of the in year. The bank. Right, exactly. They they go 500 the rest of the year and they probably squeeze into a wild card spot. I'm floored. I didn't think they were at this point yet. I I thought that they would they would come back down. Or, yeah, there you go, floored. <laughs> floored plug. media. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I thought that they were going to come back to earth by now, and they haven't. They keep winning, and they're winning. They're winning against good teams. So, I mean, look, they're not going to win the next sixty-five games, but I mean, they. I think. I think credit where it's due. I don't think the wheels are going to fall off enough where they just plummet to the bottom of the league. You look at teams like Buffalo, who have kind of done this before, not to this extent, but they've they've started off well in the early going. Maybe they rattle off a 9-10 game winning streak or point streak, and you say, hey, maybe this is a team that's finally arrived. And they even did it again this season, where they, <laughs> they fell back mm-hmm. down to earth, and they're already back in the bottom of the conference. I, I don't think the same for the Devils. I think that they have a lot of young star power. And they're 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 getting these victories again against good teams. I don't think they're going to run away with the division. I can they win it? Sure. Oh, but the question is, have they locked down a playoff spot? And I would say that they have. I think yeah, they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. To my to my surprise. Anything else, Ed? Uh, as far as questions brewing, no. But I'm going to turn this into one because I love it. Please, uh, yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> Coach Lambert again. Oh, okay. So again with the positivity, talking about Mister Bada. Can you imagine Christian entertaining the possibility <laughs> of Patrick Kane coming here? I, I mean, you know, who <laughs> <laughs> at this point? Uh, look, I think Christian would, would, would entertain the question, but he'd probably come up with some reasons why the Islanders wouldn't be able to land him just because uh, that's the heel that he is. Is yeah. the, uh, forgive me, I, uh, because I, I, I don't get to catch a show every week. Do, is uh, Christian anti-Patrick because Patrick has some oh, things in his history? No, no. Christian is just anti-pro-Islanders. He's just anti... Yeah, he his his part of his stick on the on the show is just being a negative Nancy. Really? Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. Know that. Yeah, so so that's that's why uh, Coach Lambert. You're was, better off not was knowing. Don't let it rub off on you. <laughs> right? Exactly. Gotcha. Yeah. So uh, so yeah, I, I don't I don't know. That's an interesting question. But you know what? Thankfully, we don't have to worry about it because he's not no, here. No, no. You know, have you realized we've been having a lot of Christian slander towards the end of these? You know, I have noticed that that he his name does keep popping up, which I guess yeah. means in some way, even subconsciously, they miss him, right? Yeah, I mean, but um, <laughs> but listen, Christian is off doing his thing. He's he's doing a great job for AM New York, and he's always welcome to come back. And you know, it's been great having Chris here. But but I'm I'm glad that they're they're still you know they still remember him in the chat. That's that's very nice. But I think that's going to do it for questions brewing. So Ed, yeah, great great to mediocre job as always. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> And I think we're going to wrap this show up. So why don't you hit that outro music and we'll get out of here. Yep. You want outro this time? Please. You don't want rejoiner? Would you mind? Yeah. Would you mind hitting the, the proper button this time? Yeah. That'd be great. Good luck this week to Joe Scally of Lake Grove on the U.S. national team in the World Cup. Ah, the there we go. World Cup. Three huge, huge games representing today with my cat. Love that. Uh, good luck to Long Island Joe and the whole gang, Christian Pulisic and everybody else. Does USA have a shot? They have a shot of getting out of their group of winning, if we were to look, make it look like this show, of winning two of their three games this week okay. to then continue on, and that would be a victory to start. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm looking forward to that tilt on Friday at 2 o'clock against England. That's going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. So, 
Folks, with that out of the way, want to send a big, big thanks to Kevin Kurz of The Athletic for joining us, giving an absolute fantastic spot. And, of course, a big thanks to our sponsors, starting with Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington. Remember, stop in there, mention Hockey Night New York, and get half off the celly. And also a huge thanks to Lost Farmer Brewing Company, located at 63A 2nd Street in Mineola. And, again, speaking of the World Cup, you can stop in there for all the 11 a.m. and 2 p.m. games. Have a great time with their fine beer selections like this juicy IPA right here. Head on over there. Great stuff. Want to thank you all for tuning in live here at twitch.tv slash hockey night NY. Want to thank everybody for tuning in later on. Chris Botta, where can we find you on social media? At Chris Botta, NHL on Twitter as long as it's up. <laughs> right, if it still exists. That's a fair point. You can follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. You can follow the show at Hockey Night NY at Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. So, folks, once again, thank you so much. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe, spread the word, tell your friends. Really appreciate it for Chris Bada. My name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Have a great rest of your night.